Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. Now, you may have heard of Lawrence of Arabia. We've got a better one. Lawrence of Manhattan is going to be on the show in a minute. Uh, One of the things I'm happy to announce is this, is as you know, my mission in life is to make people better, stronger, faster. And I've got a new app coming out that we've been charging $100 for. And this past Saturday, I had an epiphany. We need to get this in the hands of everybody. It's free. It's always going to be free. And uh, so ultimately, at the end of the day, it's all about mindset and how we show up in life because we were put here to succeed. And all only thing that gets in the way is this, and we're going to figure out how to use this better. Uh, today, I'd like to welcome John Lawrence to the program. Welcome. Thank you so much, Amara. I appreciate being on today and look forward to chatting. Right now, you're a team leader with how many people in your team? We currently have 35 agents on the team. We have two administrators and a driver. Excellent. And so at one point, you were either solo or you were part of a team. Tell me about when you came in the industry and what you thought the industry would be and what it actually turned out to be, because usually there's a delta between uh, reality and expectations. Absolutely. Um, I've been in the industry quite a while. Um, I got back in, I got into the industry in the late eighties. Uh, I actually did, you know, so I've been in this quite a, quite a long time. My first day was my first sale. Uh, my first client actually was my really? first sale. Yes, it was. Hold on for a minute. Stop the presses. That is amazing. <laughs> it gave me a great taste for the business, no question about that. Um, so I, st- I started back in the late 80s, probably 88 was w- when I started. Um, I've seen all sorts of different parts of real estate. I've done foreclosure business. I have done buying and selling of my own. And then, you know, I came to uh, Douglas Elliman a couple of years ago where I was actually director of sales for Douglas Elliman, had about 400 agents working under me. I currently transitioned last year into a team. My first year as a team, I had a partner, Joe Perino, we were at Douglas Element. So that first year, we uh, made it into the top 400 uh, my first year out in the country. So that was fantastic. Um, after the first year, they kind of slowed us down from growing. So I decided to move to Compass, where myself and two other agents started here under me. And within a year, we've grown this to a 35-person team. We're in um, New York and New Jersey and looking to continue growing. So in your team, uh, no matter whose team it is, uh, from Tesla to uh, IBM, uh, people fall into three categories normally. There's like the A players that walk on water. Then you've got the B players that do a really good job and this potential there to do achieve greatness. And then you have the folks that are like just doing a few transactions. So what would be the percentage split? What percentage of your team would you say are the A players, people that walk on water? I would say out of the 35 people that we have, we probably have about uh, seven agents that walk on water. 
So you curated uh, curated your team because that's actually a disproportionate number of A players, absolutely, which is like twenty one percent. And then you've got how many C players would you say? Well, my C players would be the newer agents coming into the business. So we are we are adapting new agents. We actually do new agent training here on the team. Um, you know, one of the nice things that we have about the team is we have a very um, good mix. So we are ranged in age from twenty one years old to eighty three years old. Wow. So one of the nice things about new people coming into the industry, like you being an example of getting your first sale, and people will tell you, uh, John, you can't do that. You got to be patient. You got to do this. So sometimes being young and dumb is pretty amazing when people come in and they just follow instructions. Tell me what to do, boss. And they're doing it and they're getting results. So it doesn't happen often. But why do you think that happens? It's just what you said, that they don't know any better. They don't know that a building isn't the best building and they see this building and they want to do a sale in it. Where sometimes, you know, brokers in the industry get a little tainted. They will have their own preconceived notion of a particular building, whether it has good financials or something like that. We have an agent that just joined us and he came in from Aspen. Uh, He's 24 years old. His first client that he's out with, he has his first offer that we're negotiating. Oh, brilliant. I was uh, doing this gig for a company that manufactures silicon, and one of the customers is Apple, and they wanted to get a hold of the chief of engineering, which is like, even though they work together, hard to get a hold of. And this young, dumb salesperson came in, and he's getting appointments with the most hardest people to find. And people are like, how do you do this? And it's like, well, I just kind of picked up the phone and did it. Like, why wouldn't I do it? And what's kind of interesting is this is sometimes those people that are doing these amazing things, the rest of the team ends up uh, uh, poisoning their mindset and then they go, oh, I can't do this anymore. And they go. And I guess it's your job as leader to inoculate them to say, no, keep going. Correct. That's exactly it. And then what we do here is, you know, we have a... We, we have some people on the team that are really icons in the industry. So what we've done is, you know, they've gotten older and they, they need some people to assist. And that's to your answer, Omar, as to why we have the disproportionate number of seven people that are kind of walk on water because they need assistance. So what we've done is not everybody has come back to work at this point the way that they should be. But our team, we always has to have staff in. We're always helping people move forward so that we're meeting the market. We're going out and grabbing the market, so to speak. We we have properties up in Harlem. We have properties on Park Avenue. We have commercial properties. We do a little bit of everything and work inside the team to push business back and forth. I mean, I have 110 acres on the water upstate up in Kingston. So there's a lot of different type properties. We have development sites and we'll have studios for sale. So we'll do it all, whether it's Park Avenue, whether it's you know, up in Harlem or whether it's downtown in the financial district. It, it all makes part of Manhattan. And no matter what palace you're selling or what hovel you're selling, it has a value. No question. And it's our job to uh, highlight the value and find the best person for it that's going to go, oh, my God, I want this. No question about that. And you got to remember that each one of these people, it is the most important transaction to them. So we might say, oh, I just want to sell $5 million properties. But when selling that three or $400,000 property, it is just as important. And we need to have just as much service to each person. You know, our, our ta- you know, one of our taglines is, you know, brokers for life. You know, we want to make sure that we're doing all transactions and helping all of the families. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about, because uh, it's easy to manage yourself, quote unquote, I'm working, I'm going to do this, 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 this. and uh, But when you're leading people, especially people that don't work for you, then that's true leadership. So why don't we take a look at the 
five pieces of advice that you would give uh, to be a better leader, what would be? Ad- Why don't we play a game? Sure. We'll each do a point, and let's see how how many we get. I'll okay. let you kick it off. What's one piece of advice to be a great leader? Be present. And how do you become present? You focus on what the, the current needs are. You need to address the market and fulfill something that they're not getting in another way. You need to add value. Absolutely. I'm going to go number two with uh, you need to be a great listener. And one of the ways to be a great listener, because people can tell when you're with them and you're not listening, they get it. One of the ways to listen is to do this, dear listener and viewer, is whatever they're saying, repeat it inside your head. And so they say you're repeating it and it just forces you to be uh, fully present and they can feel that attendance. And number one, you pick up useful information. Number two, they feel valued. And number three, it builds trust. I couldn't agree with you anymore. You know, and, and on that point, one of the things that I would do is basically go over what you just said, Omar, and, and repeat a portion of it back to you. And addressing you by name in that conversation is showing you that you are present in the conversation. Ah, love that. So number three to you, my friend. Okay. Number three to me would basically be, let's not stay in our comfort zone. Let, let's work inside our comfort zone and add another block onto that building block each each week so that we're going to do what we do very well and we're going to continue to add on to our business. So we're never going to forget what got us there, but we're going to add additional pieces to make our business much more comprehensive. Love that. The uh, Because ultimately, if you're not... Uh pushing out your comfort zone. It is shrinking by definition. There is no status quo. And one of the things I tell people is it's a lot like hearing loss. Uh, People that are losing their hearing don't realize they're losing it because it doesn't go from hearing okay to not okay. It's like a gradual process and the same thing with the comfort zone. But you do know when you're expanding it. Because, baby, you're kicking at it until it gets wider and wider. You're getting a, a little bit uncomfortable, but still moving forward and still taking those challenges to the next level. And that's – what's the worst that's going to happen in real estate? Let, let, let's let's take a step back and, and be a little real about that. You know, it's not brain surgery. It is something very important to many people. So we have to – you know, what is what is the end result? We're looking to sell houses for as much as we possibly can to get the owners as much money as possible. We're looking to find buyers the best deal possible to make them comfortable and have them save money. So, you know, when we're thinking what we're doing, as I say, it's not brain surgery, but you do need to be present. You need to use all the resources. And so many people these days, you know, what makes us a little bit different than a lot of the other teams that are out there is that we work together. We work off of each other. We use the referrals and things like that. You know, on my team, we have three different attorneys. I have a former appraiser on my team. You know, I when I came from Douglas Elliman, I took the office manager to be one of our admins. And we also have the virtual, the graphic designer as well. So when you have those different pieces, you make it easier for everybody. And I think that's one of the most important important things is making it easier both for buyers and sellers. And when you do that, it's easier on yourself as well, right? It's just uh, everybody eases into a great transaction. So here is number four. If you're a leader, one of the questions you need to ask your people, your charges is this, uh, get them in a conversation over the, you know, over coffee or whatever, and then just slip this question in. Uh, do you find me attractive? No, that's not the question you ask. The question <laughs> you ask is this, is, uh, who is your favorite teacher in high school or elementary school? And they're going to tell you who that teacher is. Number one, it's going to change their state. And then once they're telling you the story about that person, ask them this follow-up question. 
what did they do to get the best performance out of you? And then they'll tell you exactly what they did. And if you ask someone, what do I need to do to get the performance out of you? It's their intellect talking. When you get them back to their favorite teacher, uh, they actually go back to that moment and reveal the truth, even to themselves. It's like, oh my God, this is what he did or she did. So that's a way you need to know the people you lead. And that's a freaking good question. Thoughts on that, John? I like it very much. Omar. As you were saying it, I went back and I saw Mrs. Mason, uh, <laughs> my fifth grade teacher. Um, and absolutely, it does put you in a place to be you know, accepting and to want to learn. And, you know, from each of it, you know, I think we all have something different to bring into it. You know, that's why, you know, our team is a very diverse team and the diversity actually opens up the markets to us. We have people doing senior living. We have people doing rentals. So we try to, um, you know, basically cover all aspects. Love that. So I guess number five is back to you. All right. <laughs> so number five, what I would say is engagement. You know, we need to be fully engaged. How are you keeping people that want to come into the office or people that weren't coming to the office, how are you getting them back in? They need to engage. Once they engage, everybody is generally happier. Um, you know, we have a very large office here. We probably have about 300 desks in this office that I'm at. I've been very fortunate to be been giving the a full floor here where we have the downstairs, you know, for the Lawrence team. That being said, the energy that we bring in is contagious. There are people that have joined the team who've been in this company for many, many years. They just see the energy that we bring to the table and how we work together and push business to each other. And that's what everybody wants. Brilliant. And I think, yeah, that engagement is so important. I'm going to add to that and kind of go off you to get number six. Ultimately, at the end of the day, what you need to do is to bring all these independent people together. Sounds like you've done that as one team. And if you can do this one magic trick, most of the time, even in corporations, when it's not independent operators, when you take a look at, let's say, the management team, you see the best and the brightest but when they come together, the whole is less than the sum of the parts because there's like office politics and friction and all that bullshit. But if you build a culture that allows people to come together where they'll take a bullet for each other, even though they're independent contractors, what you'll get is camaraderie. What you'll get is uh, as smart as you are, John, your team is smarter than you. And if you've got a, anybody's got a problem, if it's asked John, he's going to have an answer. But if you get the team together, the wisdom of the whole is going to be so much better. And if you can get that kind of team together, that's how you outthink and how, how you outpace the competition is come together as one unit with the intent of helping other people in that team win. And that's how you build a freaking amazing team. There's no question about that, Omari. It's something that it's exactly what we're concentrating. We have subcommittees on the team. We do social work. We have social media committees. We have social committees so that we all can get together after work and things like that. You know, it, it's something that empowering each other is a wonderful power to have. All right. To you, my friend. <laughs> okay. Number seven. Okay. For number seven, I would say that, you know, don't setting up a team to be what others needed to be, not what you needed to be. We need mm -hmm. to be there for others in, in this role. I mean, if we're there for others and we're receiving the information and we're able to help them and move them forward, you will absolutely move forward just by definition of helping others. And by doing that, it gives back so much, both personally and professionally. So I really, you know, I would really um, push for people to be present, to engage with people, and just to see how, what people, 
most of the agents that were with, they're independent agents because they didn't want to go into other businesses. Mm. So let's use that power of everything that they have. What were their former, what did they do in their former careers? As I mentioned earlier, we have a couple here. We have a few attorneys. We have appraisers. So when we have all of that information together, it gives us a wonderful way of being able to work together and create more business. Love that. And I think one of the things we need to do is to define the team, who we are, because if we get a sense of who we are, that gives us a battle cry to come together. And because a team isn't going to be right for everyone and everyone's not going to be right for the team. And oftentimes what we do is we've got this team and we kind of kind of get a feel for who we want. But once we define it, these are our values. This is the utmost important thing for us as a team it one bonds the team, creates engagement, and two, it helps us select people to join. And when people join, they go, I found home. And that's where you get people staying because earning a dollar more isn't as important as being with family. It's absolutely true. You, you have to give them another reason and why this works for them. Why do they want to join the team as opposed to being independent? Why do they want to share as opposed to trying to capture everything themselves? So when one and one equals three, that's the right answer. I love it. Actually, I think one and one equals 11, but that's just love me. <laughs> now you're really getting me excited, Omar. <laughs> All right. One last one for you. Yes. Uh, number nine. Okay. Number nine. Make sure you really want it. Make sure you're not just building it. Make sure this is something that you know how to control and you're doing this for the right reasons. Uh, This cannot be about you. It has to be about everyone. It has to be about the team. Team first. I love that. And I think that's super huge because people really think, I come into the industry, I figure out what's going on, then I need to get a team and I need to do this. And like, no, it's like you may have really good skills as a realtor, but leadership skills are totally different. And it just might be actually a pain in the butt doing it. It is sometimes. But you know what? But the rewards that come from it are wonderful as well. So you have to have, you have to want it and you have to follow through with it. It's not just something to build and let it take on its own life. It's something to help people move forward and appreciate everyone. Here's number 10, and uh, we'll make it the last one unless you want to have the last word, which uh, welcome to do. Here is number 10. (laughs) Number 10 is we need to autopsy each transaction that we do that works and doesn't work and to figure out what worked when we did it. And it could be stuff that we already know, or it could be, oh my God, we did this thing slightly different and we got great results. Maybe we should add that. And if it went south, also do that. And the same thing for our contribution to it. How did I do as a leader this week for you? What went well? What could be better? And I think that feedback, and if we have the intent on the team that it's about the betterment of everyone, then people aren't saying, well, John, if you did this, I would have gotten that deal. It's not there. It's more in terms of, you know, I really could have appreciated this support. And I think that level of transparency and service, not just from you to your team, but the team to each other and to you, then you build something freaking amazing. I agree with that. I think it's essential. I think I think you need to have collaboration. Collaboration is just such an important word in, in team. So two last questions. Well, three, actually. Number one, what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten in real estate? Something that you valued highly. Best piece of... Have a plan. A lot of people will say, I have a business plan. You have to keep everything like that. Instead of having a business plan, I call it a roadmap. 
have a roadmap because when you're on, on a trip, very often you're going to take a detour, you're going to get lost a little bit. But the whole thing is coming back onto that roadmap and staying when. If you have a business plan that is so strict that if you fall off it, a lot of people don't get back onto the business plan. All of a sudden, you know what? I didn't make my calls. I didn't get the exclusive. All right, my business plan didn't work. But if you have a roadmap, you do sometimes take a detour or um, get lost. But as long as you get back onto track and get back onto that roadmap, you will be where you need to go. Keep pushing um, and respect everybody. Ask everybody how you can assist them. And then once you know you know how to assist them, ask them if they can assist you. Love it. Great advice. We're always learning. We're always expanding. We're always pushing the comfort zone. What's one area that you're focusing on right now to uh, be a better John? Well, it, it, it's just that it's, um, you know, hearing everybody what they need. How can we fulfill this? And what we found out by doing this is that, you know, referring business to each other is phenomenal. It's a great built in strategy that comes with rewards. People already have the confidence once the business is referred. So we are looking to build out a bigger referral network. We are moving into the Hamptons, Long Island, you know, building up our New Jersey and our Westchester being so that we do have that other opportunity for people. Love that. So what's a question for me? A question for you is... How long is this damn podcast? <laughs> no, I think we have a couple more moments. But what made you get so interested in doing the podcast and following real estate and the different trends? So a friend of mine recommended it. His name is Fred Diamond, and he's got the Sales Game Changer podcast. They've done over 500 episodes. He said, Umar, you should do this. And my highest value is learning new things. And the reason I'm doing the podcast is two reasons. Well, probably three reasons. Number one is learning new stuff. It's like the conversation we had. I picked up two, three points that I didn't know before. Makes me incredibly happy. Number two, that you and I get to serve uh, the greater community. Because there's going to be people out there out of the 10 pieces of advice, and you gave two extra, uh, out of the 12 pieces of advice, someone's going to find one of those pieces of advice and go, holy crap, this really helped me out a lot. I think that's right there, Omar, because I, you can't try to trend change everything. But if you can get one point out of something and work better and make yourself better one degree each day, each week, each month, whatever it is, that's a winning situation. Absolutely. And there's uh, some, probably some stuff that you've said today that people are going, oh, I already heard that before. Sure. But you said it in a different way. And for some people, it's going to be like, holy crap. Oh my God. I can you finally understand what people are saying. So we need different voices because there's like 8 billion people out there. Exactly. And so, and the third thing is, it's a really good way to really meet a lot of people and meet a lot of realtors because our core business very much is, is mindset because mindset is the number one most important thing that you can do. And I'll tell you a quick mindset story before we pass. I was working with a team in uh, Baltimore, Maryland, used to be my hometown. And one of the realtors there was 22 years old and he's doing well. But each time he goes for a listing appointment, he takes his uh, team leader with him. And in his head, he had a belief that I'm too young for this industry. And in the very first month, what we did was we identified what the belief was, transformed the belief. And the very next month, normally his deals are like $600,000 properties back there. He went for a $3.5 million listing and landed it because we changed the belief I'm too young. And he said, for the last month, I've not even had that thought. And that's the power we have. If we, I mean, everything in the entire world comes with an owner's manual except this. 
And that's my mission is to make that happen. And John, you added uh, a ton of value to our conversation today. Thanks so much for the interview. And uh, I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Thank you so much, Ron. Have a wonderful week. And it was a great, a uh, lot of fun. And I really appreciate this. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 